Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Righteous Music! Hey, what's up, folks? It's your boy, Dwayne. This is The Bar Podcast, a podcast that's interview style. We interview well-known preachers, seminary professors, ministry leaders, app developers, artists, and even local pastors. Tune in every Tuesday to your favorite podcast, The Bar Podcast. You will find a new episode and a new guest. Go to thebarpodcast.com or any of your favorite podcast catchers. Peace. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening or watching our podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, we would like to invite you to support us by leaving us a review. Let us know how you have been encouraged by each one of the stories that you have listened here. Also leaving us your feedback. You can also help by following us on social media on Instagram and Facebook or by liking or commenting on our post and also by sharing with your friends and family. Also, don't forget to subscribe on our podcast and YouTube channel. Another way that you can also help us is financially by visiting our Patreon page by going on the link here on the description. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to sharing the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. My name is Richard Bucklew. I am your host today, and we have a very special guest. Some of you may recognize her. Her name is Arlenis Bucklew, my wife, my favorite person. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You're in the hot seat today, so <laughs> please don't, don't be shy. Now you're, you get to experience everything everyone else does every week. I do know how everyone feels now. Like when I ask people to share their testimony, I don't actually think what it means to actually sit here on this side of the couch because, yeah, I'm on the guest seat today. So, um, yeah, it's. It, it, I thought, you know, we had talked about it because some of my friends have asked me, like, have you shared your testimony on the podcast? And I was like, no. In fact, someone just called me like, you're a hypocrite. Yeah, you were called out. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, like, obviously, it has been in my heart to to do it, but it just kind of never happened. I just kept pushing it because I was like, oh, I already scheduled someone. So I just push it and push it. But then they asked us to share our testimony and foundation, our Bible study. And that in itself, just remembering what the Lord has done in my life. And I, you know that I was nervous that night when I had to like share in the whole group. I mean, our Bible study is big. Yeah, I threw you under the bus. I was just as nervous, though. <laughs> yes, you did. He was like, by the way, guys, she's super nervous right now. I'm like, well, thank you for letting everyone know that I'm nervous. Like, uh, you were the only one supposed to know that. <laughs> but that was no, I think it was just so great to remember what the Lord has done in my own life. And it was just like in 10 minutes. I think it was, well, we were giving like five minutes, but I took like 10 maybe. Yeah, so it was supposed to be five minutes for the two of us. Yes. And so I, I... I banged it out in like maybe like two minutes. He's very good at it. He's like, he's really good just to, you know. I'm very good with not giving enough information. (laughs) But I am the opposite because I love giving like, you know, I I love here. Like I always tell my, like our guests, like 
I like the juicy details. So please feel free to give as much as you want. So we don't have a timer here. Please share as much as you feel comfortable with. So for me, that was like very challenging to like, I had to write it down. I mean, I have some notes here that I took for foundation and I will, I hope to be using it during the, you know, the, the interview, but baby, thank you so much for doing it. Oh, I, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm here. All the time, I'm either watching the pets in the other room, yes, or sometimes I get to actually be out here. Yeah, and listen, or you're so. wal- you are actually working most of the time. Like we've done some um, interviews recently for season three, and one it was out of location because we normally film in our place, and you were working. So for the most, when it's during the week, you don't get to actually listen to them, but. I'm it is so what glad. it is. Yeah, no, but I'm so glad that you you know you're doing this. I mean, this is so special and. Part of my story is also your, you know, with you. So I do hope to share a little bit about how we met today as well, because uh, I feel like that's so neat and how the Lord just put us together. So I hope to do that too. <laughs> oh, I'll let you share anything that you want to share. <laughs> well, uh, but, thank you. <laughs> before we get into that, yes, I was told we have announcements. Yes, so. actually. So... Yes, actually, welcome to season three. This is season three of our podcast. I can't tell you how grateful I am to the Lord because never in my life did I ever imagine that I was going to be hosting a, pod- a podcast. Um, I, like you, If you listen to the first year uh, anniversary video, you heard that it was a complete different idea, but the Lord had another, other plans. And this is the Lord's plans, and this is what we're doing. And my prayer and my hope is that we continue to be faithful to the Lord and that we may glorify Him through this and that this can be a blessing to you all. But the podcast is definitely uh, very uh, close to my heart, you know, and especially because I have families that are not believers and friends, and I know that that was initially a great encouragement to me to do it and it's something that constantly just uh pushes me and i just i love doing this i love sitting with everyone and hearing their testimony and so i just wanted to share with you guys some of the guests that we're gonna have uh on this season uh i'm so excited because we have like so many wonderful testimonies coming up they're they're so wonderful i mean everyone's testimony is just so amazing because in the end it's the lord's work and everyone so starting with episode one, which is <laughs> my testimony. So, um, well, it's no longer news. Yeah, it's no longer They're news. <laughs> yes, that's right. But yeah, so, um, but then, uh, we also were, we're gonna have some friends, uh, actually that we met in our fellowship or sojourners, the Utsis, but they have, um, transitioned to a new position that they got in a church in Idaho. Idaho. Yes. Idaho. I want I don't want to get the state wrong. No. <laughs> I didn't want to get it wrong. But yeah, so we're going to have them. We also have the girls from the Chasing Truth podcast, our uh, Swiss sisters from the Bart Network. A big shout out to them. So if you have not checked out their podcast, I will highly suggest you to listen to it because they have amazing content, especially like really hardcore theology stuff. <laughs> I'm like, wow. When I first saw it, I'm like, they look so young, but man, the Lord has given them so much wisdom and I'm so thankful that they're using this to, you know, to teach others uh, about things that they're not might be aware of. of. So we have the uh, Chasing Truth podcast coming up. Uh, we also have Christy Rose, my dear friend, Christy Rose. I know that you've, if you have listened to previous episodes, uh, you know that I mentioned her podcast, uh, which is Smiling at the Future. I love, love her podcast. And especially if you're a single lady, I am sure that you will benefit. And uh, so go ahead to and go and listen to the Smiling at the Future. And we will have Christy Rose also here. Uh, who else? Let's see. Oh, we have also Mo- uh, Dr. Mark Totluck. He is the president 
of TMAI and I always say this like every time that I've been talking about him I, I just love how humble and how much he loves the Lord and just like when you talk to him it's just like you just want to keep listening to him like you just want to keep hearing him talk but we know that it's because of the Lord right like that's the, the work of the Lord in our hearts because we know that we're wretched sinners and without Christ we wouldn't be that like that right so if you want to hear him speak you can watch the podcast <laughs> yes. or you can actually go to Masters University just down the road <laughs> No, but listen to the podcast. Yeah. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> you will love his testimony. He opens up so much about his life, and I think it's so wonderful, and about ministry also. And also we have uh, Doreen Virtue. I'm so glad that I was able to, you know, to connect with her. And thank you to Natalie from the Abide podcast uh, because she was the one who connected me with Doreen. And Doreen is, has become so sweet and um, as such, such a sweet sister in Christ. And uh, she came out of the New Age, and uh, she was one of the top-selling book authors of the new age and I mean I'm just amazed because she says like you know like I don't I don't tell you how many books I I, I sold and, and how involved I was in it to brag about it but it's for you to know how how gracious the Lord is to save someone for something from something so dark as the new age. And so she go, we, we, we have other things that she uh, talks about within the, uh, the new age um, movement. And actually, I will be joining her on her YouTube channel very soon. So tune in, follow her, subscribe to her channel, and then... And are you going to be sharing your testimony there or is it going to be something else? Yes. I thought this was an exclusive. No. So actually, uh, and, and Doreen Virtues? Yeah. So... Actually, so with Doreen Virtue, well, we're going to, yes, I'm going to be sharing my testimony, um, how I came out of the Catholic Church. And so, yeah, so we have Doreen Virtue coming up. Uh, we have, and so we also have a dear friend of mine also, uh, Stephanie Blood. I told her that she has a very special place in my heart and she knows why I can actually share why, but, uh, but yes, she knows and um, truly just love her, her joy and I, I learned so much more about her. So that was like really sweet to, to listen to her testimony. So yes, yeah, Stephanie Blood. And also we have Chris um, and Clark from the Girl Defined Ministries. We, if you listen to season two, we had her sister, uh, we had her sister Bethany. And so, yeah, so it was really neat also to hear, you know, she will be um, sharing a little bit about uh, obviously her testimony, but then also even uh, her struggle with infertility and also, you know, how the Lord worked in her life through that season because she had like multiple miscarriages and then about her her adopting two boys so the adoption and that is so wonderful it was so sweet to just hear the whole process because guess what they don't actually speak english because they have after the babies from the ukraine but if you want to find out more how they got there listen to their, their episode it was so wonderful so yeah so then chris and clark my dear sister our dear sister in christ also kim jaggers truth to hold on to the first time I listened to her testimony I was just like amazed I listened to her testimony in Girl Defined Ministries and I was like I can't wait to hear more so I have to go and research and I did and so I found her testimony the rest of her testimony in Revival Hearts uh, with Nancy DeMoss and so then uh, then later I learned about her book that she wrote uh, truth to hold on to bought the book <laughs> read the book <laughs> and I was in tears with her testimony just to see how wonderful i mean just the hope that we have in christ even in the darkest time of our lives when you know losing someone you love um or having a sick child so she just um i love having that you know just having her too just 
sharing so much about her life and what the Lord is uh, currently doing in her life. And we also have Haley Cunningham, and she is the wife of Caleb Cunningham, who was here actually on the very, very beginning of season two. And they're such an encouragement to us because we know uh, the trials that they have faced with both of their child being sick. And I think it's something that they will have for the rest of the life. And, you know, it's something that it's been difficult, you know, and they're in seminary and all the trials that they have faced. So I can't wait for you guys to hear more about that. So we're going to get the other sign out of their uh, story, you know, the testimony, because they were like pretty much saved close, closely together, right? Basically. Yeah, very close, very close together. And when yes. it's um, someone's married and they share their testimony, you have to bring their spouse on eventually. Yeah. If yeah. not together, then they've got to come on later. You got to get the other half. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's one person, one flesh. Yes. Like, so that's why I'm here, right? Because we started with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the podcast opened up with your testimony first. It took long enough. <laughs> and then we have another friend also. He is from the Philippines. His name is Mark. He's actually a cop. I'm looking forward for you guys to learn uh, to learn more about his testimony, but also even with all the stuff that had been happening since 2020, you know, like police brutality and whatever, you know, and all those things. So uh, we're going to be hearing a little bit more also from his side as far as like, how did this affect them? You know, like seeing everything that was happening, how were they able to handle and continue to do the job that they were, they're supposed to do? When, as a believer. As a believer yeah. too, yes, because you have to be a witness to, for Christ, right? So we're going to be hearing a lot about that. And talking about social justice... You know that I mentioned that my favorite podcast <laughs> ever is the Just Thinking Podcast. So you guys probably have listened to that, the Just Thinking Podcast. And it's with Daryl Harrison and Virgil. And actually, it was one of the first probably podcasts that I've started listening. And it was at the time when the George Floyd thing happened. And the reason why I was just like, you know, I don't even know how I found it. But it was so fitting because I was seeing people, Christian believers leaving the church when the whole thing happened. And I wasn't able to understand, but why? <laughs> why is this so, you know, huge? And But we see the news and they're like murders all the time. So why is this so, so big? So just finding the Just Thinking podcast just really um, helps you to navigate how can you see things in life from a biblical perspective? Because that's, right, that's how we all should. It's all, the Bible it's our basis. It's our foundation. So how can we have a biblical perspective when things like that happen? So yeah, so the Just New Podcast, like I mentioned, so we will have Daryl and his wife, his sweet wife, which I love, uh, Melissa Harrison, and they're going to be joining us on season three. So to share their testimonies, I'm really excited to for look that. forward to. I am definitely, yeah, because I actually got the opportunity to hear both of her testimony um, just recently, and it's been a blessing to get to know them, you know, and just to see uh, how the Lord has worked in their life, but also um, how the Lord brought them together, too. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there's so much more coming, you know, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. So, and just to remember, if you want to be notified about anything that's, that it's happening on the podcast, what's coming up, but, you know, all the announcements and things like that, we're pretty active on social media and that being Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So just follow us there and you will be notified about anything or any guests are coming up on the podcast or when we're releasing a new episode. So yeah, so that's something to look forward to. Now that we've completed the news... Would you like to start by telling us a little bit about how you grew up? What mm -hmm. was your, your family life like? 
where did you grow up? Kind of just start as young as you'd like. Yeah. No, I, I have. I think if I can go back to my life, I can go back as far as like three years old. I always say, you know, like I've told you before that I can always remember things that have been very dramatic in my life very easily. Like those are like vivid images in my head. And I can think of three years old, like my mom leaving my dad and my and, and myself, right? So at the age of three, my mom, she was out of the picture. Um, she, uh, we, I also had a brother, but she took my brother with her. So then it was just my dad and myself and my dad... Um, I, as far as I can remember, honestly, my whole life, I saw my dad struggling with alcohol. It was something that it was definitely a struggle for him. Um, we tried so many things to help him to stop, uh, drinking. Um, and when I'm telling you like, like drinking, he will drink like for an entire month, not eating anything. And it was just like nonstop and there was nothing to stop him. And so because of it, um, my grandparents decided that they were going to raise me, that they were going to take care of me. So I ended up moving with my grandmother and my grandpa, and I loved them so much. Like, they were just the sweetest uh, grandparents. My grandma was, like, the the, cal- the very calm and very, like, I guess, the one who really um, taught me about God. She There was a genuine love for, for the Lord, that she was a devout Catholic for sure. Like, you know, there there's all the traditions in there. And my grandpa on the other on the other hand is more like the hardworking one. So he was teaching me that I needed to work. If you ever want to do anything, if you ever want to like get paid, you need to work and you need to work hard. So I remember like we're working like in his land. So he had a big land um there, which to this day we still have it and and he had like a business of coffee and so I will help him like getting the coffee from the tree or sometimes he will send me to gather the coffee from like the ground that had fallen from the tree and all the stuff so I will help him with the whole process of the coffee I remember that and 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 it's just really neat because from a young age I learned that if you want to eat bread you must work right (laughs) you have to work for it so I learned that from my grandpa and he was a very um, firm and very strong. He had a very strong personality for sure. I was afraid of my grandpa because he will bring the rod (laughs) on you and he did one. So (laughs) yeah, so he was very much, he was sweet to me, of course, but yes, when the time for discipline came, like he was the one to be, you know, to do the discipline. Um, my grandma, on the other hand, she was more, you know, like the one who wanted to teach me about like, oh, you need to learn how to how to cook or do this and things like that or you need to learn and I mean I'm short normally so imagine me as a child I'm a tiny little thing and she will send me to the kitchen like try to do dishes and all this stuff so that was really important for her but I do have uh, more vivid images about honestly like my entire life with my grandmother that I left with her it was like doing the grocery like at least four or five times a day like 6 a.m. they will wake me up in the morning, you know, and I had to do the grocery. Then there was like the 12 p.m. and then there was a 3 p.m. and then there was a 6 p.m. So all those things that was like what I I, I was learning. I, I learned that there was a God, but then also I'm being taught that Mary is the mother of God and all these things. And Mary had such a big, you know, high authority, you know, in my life, like I will pray to her too, because that's what I, I was being taught. Yeah, that's like basically what I kind of just did with my grandmother. Every Sunday it was to go to church. I needed to go to church with my grandmother. So that's something that 
I w- I, n- I needed to do, you know, and, and that was something like part of the routine. Like you just need to go to church. I would go, but honestly, I never listened to, I never remember what I, what I listened, what I heard in the church or anything like that. But I just remember being always kind of like the same sermon every year. It was like the same kind of teaching every year. Um, so that's what I, I remembered. And I can say that from my childhood, I always remember myself as a angry child. I was very angry. I, I was so angry at my mom too, because I couldn't understand why she left. Um, I, because my grandmother told me that there is a God. So then I knew that I could go to God to ask him if I need, if I wanted anything. So I will ask God to please make my dad stop drinking. <laughs> Lord, you know, well, no, Lord, I wouldn't never, I don't think I ever referred to him, Lord, but God, mm-hmm. God, can you please just make my dad stop drinking? I just, that's like all I, I ever wished for that. If, if I had a genie that I will ask for a wish, that would have been my wish. Please make my dad stop drinking. Since I was three to about being eight years old, that's like, you know, my life was just with my grand- grandparents. But then my grandmother got very ill. She got cancer. And and then, you know, like they did all the treatments. I was taking care of her. But, you know, I do remember my grandmother asking me to read the Bible for her, which is something not very common in the Catholic Church. I don't think I ever, like after my grandmother, I don't think I ever saw anyone read the Bible, but she did. And actually, two of her favorite Psalms were... Psalm 13, especially when she was sick. Oh, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? What? And, and, and that was like, I remember just reading that to her when she was going through pain and, you know, like physical pain because of cancer. That's what I would be reading to her. Or Psalm 91. Uh, that was one of her favorite. So I just have those images, you know, like I have those pictures in my mind of just reading that, like reading God's word, which is not something that you're taught. You're supposed to let the priest teach you whatever it's in the Bible, right? At the age of eight, then um, the, the the doctors basically sent her home because there was really nothing else that they could do. The, it was terminal and they couldn't do anything. In fact, I didn't even know that she had passed away. My dad, because he was already like, here, he... So yeah, I was I was really close with my grandmother, obviously, right? Because my mom had left a picture, and so I only had my grandmother, who honestly treated me treated treated me like her daughter. But because my my dad already knew that, honestly, she like they knew that they were, she was gonna she was not gonna survive. So what he did is that he sent me to my mom's parents for two days. And I went and stayed there with them, but little did I know, so the same day apparently that my grandmother died, I had to be rushed to the hospital. I didn't even know that she had died, but I just got this pain in my stomach and I was taken to the hospital, like, you know, to the nearest city, basically. And I had no idea, you know, I just remember just not feeling well and they took me. So honestly, I got to find out that my grandmother had passed away two days later, and it was through a video. Uh, my dad, you know, he uh, showed me a video, and then there I see my grandmother. I just threw myself on the ground, and I was just crying. 
because it's like, oh, great. So my mom left me and now my grandmother too. Like my grandmother has been taken away from me. So I just, you know, you just feel so lonely. Yeah, yeah, of course. And this is all in Dominican Republic, right? Yes. Yeah. And then after that, were you staying with your dad? What What did home life... What I mean, it was kind of non-existent, but what, yeah. what, in what way did it exist? I mean, were you who were you staying with? Who was raising you? Where Where did your your life go from you know being raised by your grandparents to then you know your grandmother now passing away? Yeah. Um, so after she passed away, then um, I had to be going back to my dad. So my life, I, I, I just remember my childhood, like, honestly, every person in my town, which is called Rincón de Piedras, like, the cornerstone. Basically, that's what, what it translates to English. And this is, again, yes, like you mentioned, it's in the Dominican Republic. Uh, it was a very small town, like, up in, you know, in the mountains. And, and everyone in the town just became, like, family. Everyone knew the situation. They knew the struggles of my dad. And so, honestly, I just remember being from home to home. Every person fed me. I didn't have someone to do my hair, so I just looked like a homeless kid at times. It's funny because I've seen the pictures, and I did. Um, they they fed me. They uh, My dad would go and probably drop me off to so some, you know. And, and, you know, I think what really stands out out of that is just to see that a lot of those people, they were so poor. They had They had no money. But the little that God had provided for them, they were still willing to give, to feed me another mouth, an extra mouth, right? Because a lot of this family, they had probably been raising their children's children. And that's how it was. Um, so, yeah, so th- that was like my life, honestly, growing up. Um, at one point, we had my dad's, let's say, adopted brother uh, moving in with us at one point with his wife. So... I would say there it was a little bit more stable for me because now they were taking care of me, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, even if my dad would still uh, continue to struggle. But then when I was about nine years old, my dad then uh, moved, you know, got married with uh, um, a girl that we knew from our town, right? He got married. And so now it seems like things are going to get more stable and things like that. I wish it was, but <laughs> it was very challenging. It was really painful. Um, to be honest, I every Sunday was like my happy my happy day because I will walk to church. I will walk like probably like thirty minutes to go. And honestly, in my town, you have to understand this. It was the only church there. There is no other church. So it this was, is a Catholic church. This is just so. a Catholic church there. The only church that we knew. In fact, I never even heard about like believers like christians you know like or how they would call it in the dominican republic the crazy people that's how they call it and if they did see someone who was trying to now i understand it they were trying to preach the gospel they were like don't listen to them because they're crazy so that's what a a believer follower of christ was classified as as a crazy person i you know my dad is mary He's still struggling with alcohol. Um, and for me, I was just feeling that I was getting more, I, I, I could see anger just growing more in my heart. There were times that I honestly had thoughts, suicidal thoughts as a child. I thought that death was my comfort. 
Like if I die, well, then I can be with God. That's what in my little mind, I thought that if I had died, if I had just finished, end my life, then I will be with God. But but the Lord's grace, you know, he didn't let that happen. Like I wouldn't actually go forth with doing that. But it was in my mind. It was in my heart already. Like I, I will automatically think about that. So it was definitely that was a very challenging time for me in growing up. Very difficult I I question God, like, how can you let this happen to me if you're so good? And if you're, you know, my grandma told me that you're good and, if you're, so, and you're loving. So how can you let this happen to me? I didn't understand. I didn't understand God's grace, God's plan for my life. I didn't understand that he is sovereign over all things. I didn't understand that God is holy. I didn't understand any of that. No one was teaching me that. Then, you know, just moving forward, then like at the, end, at the age of 13, um, my dad finally decided to proceed with doing like the paperwork for for me to bring me to the states because all his family members they were all in New York and I was the only one left uh, back there but before that actually I do want to mention that within that difficult time right when my dad got married and all of that I remember growing up watching like martial arts movie and I know that I mentioned this I began to have like this love for martial arts for some reason I don't even know why I would just watch the movies and I was like oh like I want to do that I want to be strong like they are I want to be you know I want to protect myself because that's that's what I felt that I needed at that time I, I felt like well I don't have anyone to protect me so I need to protect myself so I want to do that so I did I went to my dad and I said dad I want to do martial arts and he's like, okay, so I will reach out to the one. I hadn't, I didn't even know that my dad actually did martial arts back in the days before he had me. So I just learned that, you know, when once I asked him. So he contacted the person who had trained him and brought him to our town. And basically, it started like a little club of martial arts with like kids and girls, you know, like boys and girls of our town and my dad was always also someone who really cared about like the community. He always had a compassionate heart. I do have to say that. And I do have to say that I grew, you know, because my dad was the only one left that I had. My relationship with my dad was always very close. I loved my dad so much. And till this day, you know, like I I was afraid of losing my dad, my dad too, because now everyone seems to be leaving my life. So, you know, but he used that, uh, the martial arts to try to bring like changes in the community, to try to help, help kids to stay away from drugs and things like that. So I will see his love for really helping other people. Like he wanted to help people. He wanted to bring changes into the community and to other people's life. So anyway, so at the age of nine, I began uh, doing martial arts all the way until I was like 13. Also, something else that in my town they used to do is that they used to select a queen of the town to represent the town for an entire year in our town and in any other community. So I participated in one. I don't even know how we got to convince my dad to let me do that because he wasn't going for it. But because I had like another passion that I had that I really loved, it was acting. I love acting. I love dancing. And I was like, yes, something that is going to put me to, you know, to do something like fun. I want to be in. And so in 2003, I was selected as the queen of my town. So basically the people of the town, the queen. they, yeah, the queen of the town. That sounds like so, 
so much higher than it is, but no, they do, you know, like they put you like this white dress and this like, what is it called? Like a cape <laughs> kind of thing. And then the crown. So yeah, so I was like the queen of the town for one year. And then I had to pass on my crown to the other girl who was selected, which is my cousin. <laughs> and so that was really neat. The family. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that was something else. I actually posted a picture on social media of that. And so yeah, so did martial arts. You know, I was very involved in the community. I was always a, a, a plus student in my school. I was always like on the top of the students. You know, I, I love studying. I love, I love to get good grades, especially because my dad told me that if I didn't get good grades, then there was not going to be a gift. <laughs> so I only received gifts. I probably received only when it was my birthday, maybe. Um, not very often. And then if I got good grades, obviously, at the end of the school year. So that was like very, very big for for my dad. So just making sure that I was studying, that I was like, you know, pursuing to be a professional and all of that. So that was from my dad, all of that, that I learned videos and stuff that I loved is because of my dad too because I will always see my dad like recording everything anywhere we went he had a camera so that's why you now see me like can we take pictures <laughs> uh, that's my dad my dad always loved collecting memories and I'm you know I learned all of those things from him so yeah there was just I just remember my childhood also just being adventures in my town I loved climbing trees I loved playing with the boys like I barely played with dolls I don't think so I had some but I never really played with them so it was like very outdoors and very active uh, I love that it was a very active life especially in a small town right loved going to the rivers and things like that so I wasn't much of like you know going to the big cities and things like that so my dad really just sheltered me growing up it was like he would barely like let me go out with like friends or things like that or like sleepovers uh-uh you don't do that. So that was like kind of like the life with my dad, which I'm so grateful now because back then it was like, oh, I'm not a cool kid. Like all the, you know, all my friends, they do have playdates and they go with their friends and I am the only one here who doesn't. But I do appreciate that my dad was very firm with me. He really disciplined me when I needed to be disciplined. I don't remember him spanking me like maybe once I think he did. But he was obviously, you know, like very strict, very like you need to study you need to do this so and I obeyed my dad like I was I always had such a respect for him and, and, and in spite of everything in our lives right I still have that sense of respect and I loved him and I wanted to please him so that was me and I needed to be good too you know because my grandmother has had taught me that so in my mind I already had those kind of moral standards and like so it was like moral, yeah, devoid of anything having to do with Christ. Exactly. Yeah, because I didn't know, you know, I thought that I had to gain my way to heaven. I needed to be good in order to be with God. So you had to get the grades. Yes, everything. Everything. It was just hourly, you know, you just have to do good works. You have to do, you have to be good and you have to to gain your, yourself, like you to heaven. So anyway, so then, yes, uh, fast forward then 13 years old, my dad then brings me to New York. Uh, my mom at the time also, she was able to, you know, to come to the States. So she was, uh, her and my brother, they also moved to to New York. Um, at this point of my life, I just felt anger, loneliness, sadness just increasing in me. I was feeling lonely. I was happy to be with the family for sure. But there was just a sense of, loneliness there was anger towards my mom if my mom ever did say anything to me I would just blow up like I just didn't like whatever she had to say like oh you know like whenever I saw her 
uh, if she was trying to like discipline me, I just acted like you have no right to do that. Like I was just like straight up, like got her off. And her, I'm sure that I hurt her a lot, like her feelings too, you know, just the way that I treated her was like, I don't have it. I didn't have any respect for her. And not to mention just the sin against God as far yeah. as not honoring your parents mm-hmm. at all. I did not. I, I didn't even know that back then, you know, like that I had to actually honor my parents and um, it was really difficult for me to to do that, to be able to listen to her. I was just so angry. I end up at one point living with my aunt and then from my aunt's home, I end up with my uncle. So my uncle, he was the atheist in the family. He was the one who, I don't know, he fell into like learning about Buddha, Buddhism and all these things, all the, you know, false religions out there. And, but the Lord at this time, when I moved with him, he was already like, the Lord has saved him. He was going to a Christian church, a a Hispanic Christian church in Queens, New York. And I remember because I was leaving with him and his uh, wife, then, well, I got to go to church with them. So I, I began going to church and I go to this church and it was just, it was so different, of course. Like, there's no priest. Where is the priest with his, you know, it's just some guy dressed up normally. Um, it was just so different. Even the word that, that was being taught there, it was different. <laughs> the love among, among the people, it was like, whoa, they actually know each other. Oh, by the way, after church, they're having a meal with each other. I was like, what? This is not church. This is like being in somebody, somebody's home. <laughs> like, you don't do that in church. So, you know, I, I kept going with him and, and I loved because we also will have like gatherings at his house, like Bible studies and things like that. But again, I am still dealing with depression. I am still dealing with loneliness. And I just felt like I was like on a borderline. And my, like I was just getting worse and worse. And at that point, I remember that my dad actually, he will never actually let me like visit my mom to her house where she she was before so the last thing he wanted me was to move in with my mom but I did I decided that I was gonna li- uh, go and live with my mom in that you know that didn't sit really right and I remember that well I was actually just going to visit her a lot and sometimes I would stay over and he didn't really like that from happening right but then uh, I think it was about 15 years old. And first of all, also, they were, uh, I was like in a sacred relationship that nobody knew. But it was like a hidden relationship that I started like in high school also. And I, I was just, I mean, it was like everything in my life just continued to accumulate. Like it was just, it was a mess. It was a complete mess. And I can tell you that 15 was such a difficult year. Like being a 15-year-old, it was so difficult. Because one, there is no one talking to me or no one knew how I was feeling. No one knew how dark it was getting for me that something just happened in my life. And it's like, I I just lost it. It's like, 
that one thing that happened that day made me do what I, as a child, always thought about doing, but never did. But this time, I did. So at the age of 15, I decided to commit suicide. And I remember that I took like about, I don't know, I just took a bunch of pills that night. And I didn't tell anyone, of course, right? Everyone went to sleep. I was still living at my uncle's house at this point. But I end up the next day in the hospital. And of course, you know, they had to, I had to come clean. I had to say what I had tried to do. Because by the grace of God, clearly the Lord didn't let me die. He saved me there from my physical death. And I praise the Lord that he did because I know that if I had died at that point, I would end up in hell because I didn't know him. After the hospital, I was sent to a rehab center. And I was there for about a week. I wasn't allowed to see anyone from my family, just like, well, just my closest family member, I will say. And it was at this place, the church sent me a letter. And I actually still have that letter till this day. On that letter, they were telling me how much they loved me. And that God loved me. That, honestly, I was like, how is that possible? That's not possible because I had been taught that if I try to, like if anyone tries to commit suicide, if anyone do commit suicide, you're going straight to hell. How can God love me? And, you know, obviously that was in the moment like that the Lord saved me. But just like receiving that and, and just seeing the love of them and they reminded, you know, and the, they just telling me that the love of God and all that, it was just like, I couldn't understand that. I, I, after that, that, you know, that week in there, definitely it was a bottle because the problem is still there. My heart is still hardened. It's dark. There is no, nothing to make an actual change. I need a new heart. The heart that I have is so dark. It's so broken. And I was still feeling lonely. I was still feeling broken. I was still feeling like whenever anything happened in my life, my first thought, it was, oh, I should commit suicide. It was always there. It was there, like, in my mind. Like, I just, I just found refuge in the idea of death. And that kind of just gave me comfort. But a really bad one because I didn't know that I was, you know, where I was going to end up. I went a year later, I did go back to the church with my uncle. But at this point, I was already leaving with my mom and my brother. And that was a challenging one. Because if I had anger, I just like, I was, I was unleashing my anger on my mom. It was unleashed on her. And when I think of it, it breaks my heart that I treated her like that. But I, I didn't understand that I was a sinner, and so was she, you know, but I didn't understand that. By the grace of God, you know, praise the Lord that I, can, I went back to the church. My uncle was so, so great in, in his invitations, invitations for lunch to his house. He was just really pursuing me so much to share the gospel, to share Christ with me. That was his goal. He just wanted to share Christ with me and he did it. Like he started just like inviting me to, and because I've always been like 
the person like wanting to spend time with people like that's has been me I just love spending time with like people and now as a believer I love the fellowship with believers like that now it's different right but back then I just I just want to be around people so of course I want to be there you're gonna have a meal with someone yes I'm, I'm in so he Free knew food? Also. yes food? <laughs> hanging out dancing music <laughs> No, and actually, when it was a church, the church, the the uh, the uh, the population there, it was a higher population of Mexicans. So they will make Mexican food, which I loved. You know, like it was so good. It was just homemade and all these things. I want to be there. So I just started going to the church. I started going to the youth group. I will go to even the children's ministry when they will meet. I mean, I just started going to everything. And then sometimes on Sunday they will have like Bible studies at my uncle's house. Or he was he was doing like movie nights and things like that so I will go to everything that you know he started inviting me and I'm so glad that he did so glad I mean like I don't have like oh my goodness this is like the specific day that the Lord saved me and 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 this day and this year but I just the more I got involved in the church there was a point I remember one night we were doing a prayer night and it was when the pastor even our pastor had come down because my church was relatively very small it was like maybe 80 people in the church I I remember that night when we were just praying and and obviously the gospel pre uh, preached you know like that we are sinners we have offended God and I remember that as a child I, I used to watch like the passion of the Christ and I would cry as a child like oh how can this man who is innocent be killed on the like why would they kill him i didn't understand that when you come to like i remember they will do like bible memorizations and so if i can recall like john 3 16 that's like one of the right everyone probably know it by heart that verse and so they're just like coming across like john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that anyone for anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life being taught verses like this it's like oh or like verses like, uh, for all have sinned and full show of the glory of God. Or for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. It's understanding that I had, I had offended God. Christ, that man that I will cry for, he died because of me. I was guilty. So I was the one who should have been on, that, like, on the cross. But yet, like Second um, Corinthians 5.21 says, right? Like, uh, that he made him... Um, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, right? And and I'm like, oh oh wow. So I am the guilty one. I can never gain my way to heaven. No matter no matter how many groceries I do, no matter how many times I help someone or feed the poor, none of that can actually get me to heaven. And all this time, that's all I've been trying to do. But the more I try to do that, I just I will see how. How I will do something bad. And I'm like, but this is impossible. How can I do this? How can I actually gain my, my way to heaven if I'm always doing something wrong? Like I'm always telling you, God, I'm always something, doing something that is sinful. So, you know, when your sin is confronted and when, you're, when you have that realization, when the Lord really, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts you of, of your sins and, and your wretchedness and your fallenness and, and that God is holy, but I'm not. And that he died because of me. That's like, I just started noticing how everything completely started, started to change. I, 
I, w- I was hungry for the word of God. The more I went to, like, the church honestly became like my family. I spent more time with them than my family. And I, I will say that's not good, a good thing when you don't keep a balance because you, you should also make sure that you spend time with your family. But I was spending more time with them than I was spending time with my blood family. But if I, I it's something that I want to share that is actually something that I share in foundation is this, that I, uh, so when the Lord saved me, I understood this. One, I was God's enemy. I had sinned and full sure of the glory of God. And that's from, you know, from Romans 3.23. And um, well, I'm just paraphrasing the verse. And then uh, two, therefore, I needed to repent, turn away from my sins. Three, confess my, uh, with my mouth, Jesus is the Lord and my Savior. Four, believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead on the third day. But also, I needed to put my trust in Christ alone. Understanding that salvation is a gift from the Lord. That it's not by works. That I am saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. So when I understood that, I was free. There was no weight on my shoulder anymore about like, it's all about, it's all about gaining my weight of heaven in my own strength. No, Christ, sacrifice is the only way. <laughs> like he says, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he's the only way to heaven. No one can go and take you like with prayers out of purgatory or anything like that. Once you die, and if you die without Christ, you have to understand that you go straight to hell. If you don't have Christ, if Christ is not the Lord of your life, the only place you go is hell. But now I understood I, that if I had died at that point, like I, I, had, I, was, I, was, I wasn't fearful anymore. And about my dad, the prayer that I used to do for my dad, for God to stop, to make him stop from uh, drinking, now it changed also. It was for my dad's salvation. Now I understood that the soul is more important than anything in the out. Uh, in the exterior it's our soul we should be concerned about the soul of people not in the outside and so that definitely changed I mean I wish to say that my relationship also with my mom changed but it was a struggle it was so difficult I was still losing I was still you know sanctification you know that then began sanctification right it's a process it, it is. wasn't no everything but some things yeah right it was yeah i i did like i said i i noticed the changes of really wanting to read of the word of god i wanted to learn from the word of god i i wanted to go to church not only for being around the people but because i wanted to learn more from uh, about god i wanted to worship god with his people and so i began getting involved in in many different ministries the youth group you know and the children's ministry, and at one point I even ended up getting involved in the worship team. I don't even know how I ended up there, but I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you play something, an instrument? No, not, no. it was more singing oh. with the group. But uh, yeah, so, and I will do a, a street evangelism with the church. I, I, I got just full involved. Like I was, uh, I was, it was a time of growth. But definitely, sanctification was still a process. The Lord was still working a lot of things in there. But let me tell you that after that, like I mentioned, my prayer for my dad was like, Lord, please save my dad. If it's your will, please save my dad. Please, I pray for his soul. Like I would begin praying for him and for my mom too, for everyone in my family. And I do have to mention that 
when I when the Lord saved me and I began going to the church, there was a big tension between my family and I. In fact, they were calling us the separated brothers. Uh, there was uh, every time that we will meet, there were arguments. You know, at that point, when you see your family turning against you, there, you will think that the family will be happy because you're getting involved, right? Like in church and you're like wanting to serve God and all these things. But it didn't do that. In, in fact, it just created this, I guess, separation, division between some of our family members and ourselves. It completely affected our relationships. And we shouldn't be surprised because even Jesus says, right, like in Luke twelve fifty three, he says, they will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. I mean, you know, like, and let's just go, right, go on. But that's what we, the, the Lord Jesus Christ was warning us that for his name, those are the things that are going to come along our way. Our family probably against uh, us or maybe people who get persecuted because of the name of Christ, right? So we need to be ready for, for that. And so now I understood that and I knew that I still, you know, that I needed to be faithful to my Savior because he died for me. But not only that, he is Lord of my life. So that means that my life is not mine, and I want to... And so your family, they were all Catholics. They're all, Everyone's yes. Catholic. Yes, and I, I love this verse from um, the, uh, Galatians 2.20. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. For to me, and then Philippians one twenty one. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So when we understand that, we know that Christ is our Lord. Our life doesn't belong to us anymore. We are His slave. We are slave to Christ, and no, and not, and no longer slave to sin. So now He rules our life, and He is the Lord of our life. But yeah, that's uh, basically how everything kind of just went for me. I did begin also to see changes in uh, with my own depression, you know, like, yes, I would still get sad at times, but those suicidal thoughts, they were out of my mind because I was like, no, my life belongs to Christ now. So why would I want to end it? That this, like, my life is in his hands. He decides when I die, not myself. He is the one who makes the decision, not me, because he is my God, right? So those thoughts definitely, they were out of my mind. I don't know, I was there probably for about seven years maybe in that church because remember how I mentioned as a child my my dream, also one of my dreams was like acting and dancing and things like that. So I did actually go to uh, acting and modeling and dancing school in New York City. So I will go from Long Island to New York. I will take the train by myself when I was like 16 years old and I will go and do those classes and I got involved in beauty pageants and things like that in New York I auditioned for things, and I remember I met a producer in in New York, and after I met him, then my whole decision of like actually going to to college after after high school, uh, instead of going to college for acting, I wanted to go to pursue a directing degree. And I remember, you know, like we will be doing like I'll be directing plays and things like that for our youth group, like in our church, like for youth activities or we will be doing videos and uh, through through that. So I was working full time and then I was also then I enrolled to a community 
uh, college in, in New York just to do the basics, like, you know, get the basic credits. I didn't even know where I was going to go. I didn't know where to go after that. I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> um, but I remember that on my senior year of school, I remember that my mom was getting, well, she, I had to take care of her uh, at one point. And that was like my senior year. So that was like a very challenging one because I actually had gone through a surgery and then my mom gets sick. And then like, remember, I always, I was the, the student that I needed A plus. If I didn't get an A plus, I was crying like I would. Like if I got anything below 90, I was crying. And some of the teachers, they could attest to that. Like they can confirm that. Like I will show up to them and I will be crying. I got this 80. I can't believe it. It's a bit of an idol. <laughs> Yes. Grades were definitely an item in my life. Definitely. Like I needed that. Like, oh man. So, yeah. I just, I just needed that. Right. But, um, that year things didn't go that well. And I remember actually a dear teacher, which I love, we're, we're, we're still close friends. Um, and she showed up at my, uh, my house where I was living with my mom and she showed up with a college application. It was because of her that I applied to college, but I was running out of time to apply the deadline was like coming I don't know probably that week and she's like look senorita listen to me miss I'm not leaving this place until you fill out this application and she did so I fill it up and that's when I started going to the community college so I was uh, working full-time but by the way I, I started working since I was 14 years old that's when I first started working but at this point at this time I was working full-time and then I was going to college and I was, you know, though the Lord has saved me and I knew the gospel and I knew all these things, I was feeling discontent. There was like something in my heart, like I just wanted something more, like as far as like a career or something like my life, I needed to accomplish something. That was like what was in my, in my mind. So I also had like the whole thing about like my dreams are first and all that stuff and I am my own woman and I'm independent and all the things, um, you know, marriage, marriage was like not a thing in my head. It's like, no, like I need to first become a successful woman and all those things. Sanctification is a process. Oh yeah, it, it is real. Like I could definitely see how much work the Lord still had to do in my heart. Like it was, it wasn't like everything just changed automatically. No, there was so much sin that I had to deal with. There is jealousy, like seeing like other friends that they were succeeding in doing this. And I was just like, what about me? And they just made me feel discontent. So discontent because I was seeing like friends that they were doing so much more than I was doing. And I just felt like, oh, I'm falling behind. What is this? Like this can be happening. And so I was just really not happy. I was just, I could see the dark sin in my heart, like engraved in there. And I just needed something else. And at that time, I was still in that relationship that I mentioned that I had started from college. But I've never communicated anything like that to this person or my dreams or where I, need, I see myself in the next, you know, years or what, what, I'm, what decisions I'm gonna, am I going to make about my career? It was all about me. At this point, my whole, like, I, I, like, it's still, like, I'm holding on to that, like, it's about me and succeeding and all these things. So I still had to let go of a lot of things. There were a lot of things that I needed to, to let go. Uh, secretly, I began looking for, college, for uh, colleges, like, you know, other schools to which I could transfer to. And I began searching, and I found 
some, you know, in New York, but they were so expensive. And I'm like, oh my word, I can, this is too expensive. No, I'm not going to do this. And so I began searching in California. I didn't even know why. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because if you're going to pursue film school, it's like, why? You're supposed to go to Hollywood. Yeah, why? Exactly. But I didn't think about that. I was like, oh, okay, let me just search. So I did start searching and I found one school, but then they didn't have the program that I wanted. And then I kept searching and I remember that I found the school and I applied that day. I didn't tell absolutely like to no one, no one. At this point, I was working as a video editor in New York with a dear friend who actually had gone to film school as well. So we had become really close, her and her, which was her fiance at the time, but it's her husband now. And I asked her if I could just put her as my reference, you know, like for a letter of recommendation, but I didn't tell her where. And then my teacher from high school, the one who brought me the other application for, for school, I told her too, but I, n- I never told anyone where it was going to be. And I did. So, I, I mean, honestly, in my mind, I didn't think I was going to get accepted. I was just like, I'm just going to do it for fun. I'm just going to do that. I had never been to California. I didn't know if I was going to work, how I was going to survive. I didn't know how life was going to be for me. I just knew that I was just going to apply to school. And I, had, I didn't even tell the person who was my boyfriend at the time that I was doing that. Or my family. Like, no one. Not even my church family. Like, no one. I didn't even ask anyone to be praying for that. Like, I'm just going blindly on this. Like, the first thing, right, when we make a decision as believers is, like, we pray about things. Like, I was praying on my own. And I thought, like, if I just pray myself, that's going to be fine. But you sometimes, you know, you'll ask friends, close friends, like, to be praying for that. Well, I didn't. But anyways, I did get accepted to that school. And so now comes the part of, like, oh, I need to move out of New York. And now comes the part, oh, I need to tell everyone. (laughs) So I got to tell everyone about that. And I feel like with my family, they were very supportive because they always saw that this was something that I was actually good at. Like, you know, you always say, so the, my talents and things like that. And they're like, yes, go for it. You go for your dreams, for your career, please go. And my church family was very supportive. And one of the things that I did do is that I researched for a church uh, near my school, close to the school where I was going to be going to. And I emailed them and I told them and I was, I was going back and forth. So at least, praise God, that I did think about <laughs> looking for a church because it's like oh so you're just gonna go and what is gonna happen right so I did I looked for a church and 2014 that friend and her husband now at that time now they were married they also decided that they were moving to California so the three of us pack up our bags perfect timing perfect timing and us three we moved to California to LA we are going to Hollywood <laughs> and so we we drove from New York it was like about I think almost like a four-day drive so it was beautiful I mean it was amazing but I think one of the hardest thing was to say goodbye to my church family it was so difficult I was like oh man like I don't know what's gonna happen so that was definitely very challenging to leave them behind but in my mind I'm just like I'm going by faith just going by faith just gonna go and let and and see so then now comes the next part of my life where you have your goals you have your dreams you're going to chase what you always dreamed of and what you desire and things like that and moving to LA oh man it was just it was amazing yes it was an amazing experience like I was meeting so many people but although I emailed that that church 
I started, like, I visited a couple of times. I went, I met them. But I was surrounded by all, like, non-believers. Like, all that, all the believers that I had, remember that I spent more, most of my time with my believer, believing family, a church. All of that had been stripped away. Like, I didn't have anyone, no believers in, in my life. And now all I, and I mean, the only believers that I had is my two friends, right? But they're married, so they have their own family. So it's not like I can be, I can be spending like every day with them. The Lord, there is a, I think that was one of the darkest times for me moving to LA because it was a time where I professed to be a believer. I said that I was a Christian, always say that. But then I started not to be one, to act like one because I was surrounded. So that's why, you know, like that verse, that bad company um, corrupts good good morals, right? If we we see about friendships and Proverbs, how it's always like alerting, you know, to to choose your friends wisely. We, We should. And as believers, we need to make sure that we're also surrounded by, that we have the fellowship, that we are in a church with people that can keep us accountable. I didn't have that. So therefore, my entire life became a lie. I became a liar. I had a double life. I became very good at hiding everything in my life. So good. It was so easy for me to lie. And I think that was uh, Pastor John who had been preaching on the family. He even had mentioned that, that if you you begin to lie, you're capable of doing anything else because you're able to cover up everything that you that you say and so that's that was my life that was me I basically began to live a life that was so immoral it was so not honoring to the Lord I completely just walked away and I knew the truth I knew who the Lord was and I knew that what I was supposed to be doing but because it's like I started to get just closer and closer to the line I was like well but this this doesn't look bad no, maybe if I just get a little closer, I'll be fine. I got too close to the line that I fell off into a hole that I wasn't able to get out. It was so dark. It was so painful. I began to feel lonely again. I began to feel devastated because one, I couldn't talk to anyone about what was happening in my life because if I did, then all the lies will come out, all of them. And I, in fact, had someone in my life one time that I I had told her, you know, like that I was a believer. But then, you know, later on, she she began to tell me, yeah, when you said that you were a believer, that you were like that you knew, you know, that you love God and you knew Christ. It's like I was like, I don't know what she's talking about because I don't see it <laughs> like that was hurtful to hear because that's how deep I, down I went. Like I just hit rock bottom like there was the lowest of the lowest that you can possibly imagine. There were times here in LA also where I had nothing to eat. Like I went hungry sometimes, but I wouldn't say that to my family because, you know, my pride and everything and I needed to make it through because I made this decision and I need to be responsible and I need to have how to handle this. That was like basically in a couple, like maybe not the very first year that all of that happened, but it was like eventually, right? So you don't fall into a sin right away like that into, into major sins. Like everything starts small. It's little by little that it starts and then it builds up to a point that it just explodes. Well, in 2014, actually, when I, when I moved to LA, one time I met the, I had met this girl who used to go to the same school that I went to. 
And she invited me to go to the Walk of Fame with her. And so we got on the bus. You know, I didn't have a car. So we got on the bus and we're like, okay, we're going to the Walk of Fame. We did. And, you know, and then when we get to Roscoe Boulevard, the bus stop right in front of Grace Community Church. Grace Community Church. But then I read John MacArthur. I'm like, I remember that there were two people in my church that they were the biggest fan of John MacArthur. In fact, they hadn't even told me about him. And I even tried listening to his sermon, but I thought he was so mean. I was like, this guy is not from God. This man is like mean. I can't listen to him. Like I stopped listening eventually to him. One, because I, I couldn't understand what he was preaching about. And two, because he just seemed too mean. Like he looks mean <laughs> on the pulpit. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't listen to him. Well, anyway, so I see the name in front of the, you know, the sign that they have right in front of the church. And it says John MacArthur. I just feel this happiness because I'm like, oh, my word, this is what I heard about in my church. I'm like, we need to get off this bus right now. We need to go inside this church. This was on a Sunday evening. So we go inside the church and Pastor John was preaching. I was happy. I thought I was going to be scared, but I was happy to be there. And we sat there and we stayed for the entire sermon. Like we, st- like we didn't even go to the, I forgot about the Walk of Fame. I was so happy. And I was taking pictures and I was sending it over to New York. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm here at the Grace Community Church, Pastor John's church. And, you know, it, it was just, I think, more the happiness of feeling connected to my church, like re- being reminded of my church in New York and that they loved Pastor John. And so I did go like on and off to Grace Community Church since 2014. But of course, right, I mentioned how I just completely have walked away and I was living such a sinful life. Anger, oh my word, anger just became like an explosive bomb. Like, you know, it was like, it was so bad. My anger had just give birth to more sins and more sins. And it got to a point in my life that if I, I that made me realize some episodes that happened in my life that made me realize if I continue down this path, I'm going to die. I'm going to destruct myself. And I remember calling out to the Lord for help because I knew I was incapable of helping myself. I will cry. I will call out to the Lord and ask him to please help me because I didn't know what to do. In fact, some of my unbeliever, you know, friends, they will come up to me and say to me, you need help. That's how bad my anger got. So there was so much growth. There was so many changes, again, that the Lord had to like strip away. There were a lot of things that the Lord had to completely strip away from me. And he did. Because that's the thing with the Lord. No one will snatch away his children. And if you belong to the Lord, he's going to bring you back where you need to be. And that's what he did. He removed all those things from my life. I was broken, but I brought that upon myself. I did. Because I made those choices, those poor choices. I am guilty of the life that I was living. I was afraid of coming clean before the Lord. Because if I did, I knew that I was going to deal with the guiltiness of everything that I had done. The lies, the the things that I did. There was a point in my life that I just, I knew that I needed a church. I needed to find, like there was this something, and you know, maybe just the Holy Spirit himself, like I needed a church family. Uh, I remember on a, another Sunday afternoon, I decided to go to Grace Community Church once again. And Pastor John was preaching. I had never talked to anyone at Grace Community Church. The church was so big that I was like overwhelmed because there were so many people and my church was so small. And I'm like, oh my word, how am I even going to get to meet anyone in this church? There's no possibility. 
So I did and I, you know, I went up to him and I told him uh, I'm looking for a church. I'm looking for a church family and I, how can I get plugged in? And he told me to come back on Sunday morning to go to Crossroads. I had no idea what Crossroads was. And then to go to Foundation Bible Study, which happens on Friday. So, I mean, I don't know any of these things. And then he also got my number and he said that he was going to have his secretary to call me and, you know, to get in touch with me. It's like, this man is going to forget about this. What do you, what do you mean? You know, you see how many people come to this church? <laughs> and sure enough, I got the phone call and that phone call made the change. Absolutely. It just really it was so welcoming so warm and I was I was motivated to go after that phone call and so I did I went back to the church on Sunday morning and then went to Crossroads and then a lady there invited me to Foundation Bible Study and I be and she said she was going to save me a seat and I'm so glad I did because I was just falling so you know I just needed to be rescued from from all the things that I have fallen into I just needed the word of God I needed to be taught the right you know the word of God. I needed his people. I needed, I needed the Lord to just clean up everything. And my, the mess that I have brought upon myself. It was honestly, the Lord used Grace Community Church to, to help me grow, to be committed to Christ, to really realize the path that I was, that I had taken on, that it was going to de- lead to death. I was, prof- like, you know, that I was just pretending that, that, that I had fallen so, so deep again into, you know, like letting my, my sins rule me, basically. There was much growth for sure. Again, sanctification and everything, all the process, the whole process and everything. And I am so glad that the Lord brought me there because the Lord blessed me with so many sweet friendships, so many people that um, I could speak to, that I could talk to, that I could tell them what I was struggling with. And they were so gracious. And one of those friends, honestly, had been Rhiannon. And Rhiannon has been in the podcast. And Rhiannon, honestly, became a, such a, oh, man, such a sweet friend. Because she just loves the Lord. Anyone who knows her, she will be talking about Christ. She, she, loves, she loves the Lord. She loves his word. And when I needed someone to, like, remind me God's word, we will be talking about Christ, about his word. So the Lord began to surround me with friendships that were edifying, that were helping me to grow more, that were able to challenge me, that were able to want me to grow more in my love for Christ. And I am so grateful for that. The The more the Lord started to grow me and to really, the Lord used like every woman's grace. Um, I remember the first lesson that they were doing, it was about anger and self-control. It was like, a, what did they say? Like a ring to my finger. <laughs> there is a saying in, 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 in Spanish. It was just so perfect for that season of my life because anger was a big issue. And yet, you know this, the Lord is still working that in my life. And it, it's always been like the, the sensitive part of, like, you know, like that sensitive part of my life, it has been anger. Because it started from childhood and then now, you know, and I see, I've seen the Lord definitely just grow me more in that area. But still, like, I need to be constantly in God's word to be reminded about even what the Lord thinks about anger. You know, what he says about anger. But yeah, so definitely every woman's grace and all this Bible study and being a church, it just really completely, even other friends, they were 
amazed with my changes because they saw my life. They saw the things that I was doing and they were amazed to see. So they went from, you don't look like a believer. To like. You're not living the life of a believer. To, wow, something has changed in this woman. Yes. It's like, I think it was Amy, coach, coach wife, who when she came, she said, it, it is so amazing how the Lord uses our sins to glorify himself. And it is so true because that's what, what's happening. They knew clearly Arlenis couldn't even help herself. In fact, you even told her to help herself, but it was God, but God that I love that, you know, like when you go in the Bible verse, but God being rich in love and mercy. Yes, that, that was all the work of, the, of my Savior. It was the work of, of God through His Word that came and completely transformed everything. And I didn't want to do the things that I was doing. I was, oh no, I was disgusted. I was disgusted because of my sin. I hate it that, that I fell so short like that, so that I just fell so deep into my sin. I was just, I'm telling you, it was like when I came before the Lord and I was able to confess this thing, I just felt free again. I was so free. And then comes the part that I needed to come clean with a lot of people, ask for forgiveness. And the Lord was very gracious to walk me through through that process, to really help me. And I understood how important and how vital it is to choose your friends wisely, to make sure that you are plugged in into a church that you have fellowship with believers, that you are in prayer, that you are in the word of God, because if any one of those falls, you know, down, like all the others will be affected. And that's what happened with me. It was one, one, and then the second one, and then it came to like all of them being affected. And so it just really made me realize the need. But even like about, there was a point in my life that marriage, like the idea of marriage, how I told you, right? It was like an obstacle. Like I saw it as an obstacle. My dreams were first. I need to be a successful person. I can't think about marriage. So marriage for me, I never, I don't think I saw it as, I never saw that this is the greatest example of the relationship between Christ and the church. I didn't see it like that. I No, like that was just like, and I learned all of that here at the church. And I'm, I, I praise the Lord because I really just began after that. I began just praying to the Lord from going, not wanting to get married to now. Like I do want, I do forgive me, Lord. And I do have the desire to get married. And if it is your will, I pray that you prepare my heart, whether for single, singleness or, or, or marriage, that you prepare my heart. I was praying for my future husband. If he, you know, if he was like, I was, I, yes, I did. I will pray to the Lord, you know, and I was very specific that if, if he does have marriage in my life, I prayed, Lord, that this man loves you more than anything, that he is growing in your word, that he loves your church and your people, that whatever, if you do have ministry for him, Lord, that you prepare his heart. I even prayed about his friends, choose his friends, choose the people that will be surrounding him, like choose, you know, like the, the right people for him that will make him grow more into Christ likeness. I pray that, you know, like I was praying, I was, I didn't even know who, who I was praying for. Right. I didn't know it was you. So I was just praying things that I, I consider that from the Bible, it was important and, and that, first and foremost, is that the, the, the heart of this man is right before the Lord. 
that he truly loves him and that if he is going through a trial or anything, Lord, that you strengthen him and that you help him to remain faithful to you during that time. That was my prayer. Like any time that I would get on my knees and in my room and just pray to the Lord, that was my prayer. And I, I just continued to crave more of the word of God and continue to grow and fellowship with the sisters. And, oh, there was so much uh, happening. But now, then, it was at the at Grace Community Church that I met you. And at this point, the Lord had done so much work in my life before I even met you. Of course, like I said, I was praying for the future husband. And I was praying, you know, or for singleness, whatever it was. And that I will be content with either one. But there was a point that I felt like worried or like fearful. What if I'm guessing like... I guess I stay the single. Lord provides. <laughs> yes, I was fearful. I was like, what if I never, like, nobody, like, actually asked me to marry them? Or, I don't know, Lord. Like, I didn't think that actually, because for me, I grew up thinking that marriage, of course, marriage is a sure thing, that it just happens. Like, yes. But no, then when you begin to learn, like, you know, about marriage and, like, the Lord's will and his plan and his sovereignty, and it's like, well, maybe. He doesn't have that for you. So it was scary. It was like fearful. Uh, I was fearful at some point of thinking that maybe the Lord didn't have that for me. But I'm glad that before that, you know, like I was okay with it or not. Like it's fine. Like I, I think I was at a point that I just needed, I want, I really wanted to grow. And I was afraid also of falling, falling back again to what I was. So that in itself, like looking back at the things that I did, it always, it was an encouragement to me like to keep pushing forward. I don't ever want to go back to that life. I don't ever want to fall back to those sins. But I want to focus on Christ. And that's it. That's all I need. That's all I need. There were friendships that I had to cut off from my life, for sure. There were people that I had to leave behind and not continue the friendship because, of course, that wasn't edifying. It wasn't getting me any closer to the Lord. Then comes the part where I meet you yeah so the, like I said at that time I was praying and all those things but my eyes were elsewhere I had never noticed Richard like I had seen him around church let's say walking around but never was like oh yeah you know this guy blah blah, blah. like I might be interested like I never thought about that in fact I will have like my tea parties like my tea Sundays with my friends and we will meet up in one of the buildings, you know, or around campus, and we would be talking about singleness, or we will bring a, a devotional with us, and we will pray, and we will do those things. And then one day when I was um, sitting right outside the church, this guy comes up to us with two other friends, and he introduces himself. <laughs> so do you want to say how you, you don't want to say? I'm not in the hot seat today. This is, this is your day. This is where you get to speak. But do you, do you can you explain how you were feeling? Clearly, she's Latina, and I was like, okay, I got to show off. I can roll my R's. So she introduces herself, and so I repeat her name back to her. I'm like, okay, so it's Arlenis, and she's like, no, no, no. You say Arlenis. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to sugarcoat it, mm-hmm. and she told me to never say it again. I was like, please never say my name again. <laughs> It was a great start for sure. But even that moment, like I was just saying it like in a playful way kind of thing, you know, like 
please don't ever say my name again. And I thought that you spoke Spanish because you said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm Mexican. I'm like, oh, so you speak Spanish. And I started even talking to you in Spanish. He's like, oh, poquito, poquito. <laughs> no. Anyway, so after that, uh, you began to come join me and the girls with one of your friends. And you will come up to us. Like, you guys will come and, like, hang out with us there. Which never actually happened. Like, you guys were, like, the very first guys that will come around us. Like, it was just only us. But another per, uh, part that happened that this is the one that you went to your friend and told him, oh, man, I think she hates me. <laughs> It's because I went to... So, by that time, you know, that we had, like, Steeple House, which is a coffee shop within the church campus. And we will go... Was a coffee shop. Yeah, it was. We miss it, for sure. Uh, so, we... Uh, I went down to the coffee shop and I see him there. And, well, I was in, in line and then you you came back to get your Bible. And I'm like, oh, hi, what are you doing here? And then you were like, oh, I forgot my church. I came back to, to get it. I forgot my Bible. You forgot my Bible. I'm like, oh, what kind of man leaves his sword behind? <laughs> but I was just like, again, playful. But he took it like this girl just don't, she doesn't like me. And she didn't. She did not. I didn't, yeah. She was not interested. I still didn't. I wasn't interested. Anyways, all to say, and I had been praying for a future spouse, right? But didn't even notice the guy. Like, he was right in front of me, but still, like, didn't feel anything. Like, nothing. So, after that, but you still, like, you were very persistent. He kept coming to my deep gatherings with the girls. So, you came, uh, you kept coming to the group and... It, it was just a coincidence. <laughs> But I would just see you and I was like, oh, he looks so young. Poor thing. He probably doesn't. Because, you know, like with everything that I experienced in life, I'm like, at this point of my life, I'm looking for someone with whom I can grow, but also learn from, you know, and who can handle me also, who can lead me and be the leader. You know, like the Bible says that the man is the head of the house, right? Like of the marriage. So I knew that if I did date someone it was with the goal of possibly marriage i mean dating doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna get married but that was my my goal like i don't want to just date for fun so yes yeah, so i would just see you and i'm like oh poor thing he's so young and probably no experience in life like probably life has been too easy like that's so bad to be thinking about that girls never have that perspective about your brothers around you please never think about your brothers like that please that's not that's that was sinful that's not That's not okay. That was not okay. I should never look to you like that. <laughs> like, look down on the brothers. Don't. Uh, anyway, so I, I, you was, you kept coming and spending a lot of time with us. And that was like, yeah, you did it for a couple of months. And then I remember that at the time I was working at a show. And then I end up inviting him and his friend because I already was comfortable, you know, with him. I kind of like, oh, these are bodies. Like, they're cool and i invited him to come to the show but his friend wasn't able to make it but he did and i think at this point we did exchange we follow each other on facebook so that i could send you the information share contact uh you know like phone numbers and things like that so we exchanged phone numbers and things like that and then but for me i'm just still seeing him as a friend i'm not in interested or anything in his mind i remember that you mentioned that what was your plan that night oh i was gonna i was gonna go to the, the show, filming, whatever it is. And then afterwards, I would ask her, oh, hey, you know, maybe you want to get some food. It's, do you know anywhere around here? You know, we can just get a bite, you know, I don't know, 
It, it didn't work like that. I yeah. was there for six hours. And then all she was like, oh, thank you for coming. Okay, bye. And and then I had to drive home. I was like, oh, well. I mean, it was an experience. <laughs> Ladies, that's how you know that the guy is committed. Because he was. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, at that point, I was just like, oh, you know, I don't have anything better to do. Mm-hmm. Just go to this thing for six hours. <laughs> and you wanted hour. the girl. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I remember. I'm still not interested. But one day, I was driving my friend Rhiannon home. And then in the car, because Richard had been just coming around us, like, so many times. And I'm just, like, thinking, like, oh, my word. This guy has been sharing, like, so much, spending so much time with us. I think he's interested I don't know how I feel about this. And right in that moment, my friend Rhiannon asked me if she could ask me something or tell me something just like very graciously, love, can I just share something with you? I was like, yeah, of course. She's like, you know, I've been thinking Richard has been like around us a lot. And I had a friend who told me that if a guy is hanging out with you and your friend, he's either interested in you or your friend. And it's definitely you. (laughs) Poor thing. That's what she said. And then she was like, And then also she told me that one day she saw him going up in one of the buildings and she saw him like trip because he was, he kept looking back where we were sitting, which I, she didn't tell me that day and I didn't even know. And I'm like, oh my word, that's what I was just thinking about that. But if he says anything, my answer is no. I didn't even think through that. Like I didn't think about what I was saying. I just said like the answer will be no. And I kind of, you know, like caught myself and I'm like, you know, uh, I actually been praying for a future spouse, so I will be praying about this. If that, if he does say anything, that the Lord will change my heart towards him, that I that the Lord will change my mind. So I will be praying for this. And Rihanna told me I'll be praying for it too. So I remember that time passed, right? And then so then comes the part of like you know basically for a whole week where I ended up by mistake i guess he didn't mean to invite me and he says well this is where the confusion is between the two of us but anyways he ended up inviting me to one of his friends birthday and he just called me to ask me for a place where i was living at that time where he could buy a cake and i told him but he ended up saying something you know under his breath and i thought that he meant like oh and if you want you can you can come with me and i was cleaning so when a latina woman is cleaning you need to give her space. (laughs) Like I was just like cleaning like for about three hours. And I was like, well, I'll let you know. I'll see uh, after I'm done cleaning, then I'll let you know. Anyway, so at this point I was like in the position of like, man, this guy has been around my friends so many times. I need to, to know who his friends are. Like I need to see who are, who is he hanging out with? Like, what do they think about him? What do they have to say about him? I ended up going to that night and his friends were all wonderful. Uh, they're still very sweet friends. And as soon as I introduced myself and I said that I was Dominican, like Amy and Shelly, and they were like, oh my gosh, no way. <laughs> so we all became like really cool friends. And for that week, we spent a good amount of time together. And we were texting like almost every day, I think. And the more I got to know him, it was just, I was amazed just one, how much he loved the Lord, but also how much his friends loved him and how he really cared about his friends and the love that he had for his friend. It was like all the things that I was praying for, I began to see it in Richard. And I was just like, okay. So I was feeling more drawn to, like I began to feel drawn to him. Like, oh, okay, so maybe this could be possible. But anyways, by the end of that week, clearly, you know, it was a Sunday. 
Rihanna didn't go to church because normally she will go to church with me. And Richard gave the talk. He told me that he would like to be more intentional in pursuing me. And by this point, I was like, yeah, let's take it slow. Didn't go slow for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at this point, I just felt ready. And I think I'm so grateful because one of the things that I, I appreciate from the beginning is like um, before I will be with the Lord, like, Lord, if you do bring a husband, I'll never be open about my fast and like the things that I've done. I can't do that. And I'm so glad because when I began, like when we began, like, you know, those first weeks or months of dating, I was, the Lord really helped me to be open with you, to really express to you the things that had uh, had happened in my life. And one of the things that I love the most is that you didn't judge me. You didn't see me differently. You were so, like, there was this tender love and you didn't feel like disgusted in the way that I feel for myself. But yeah, you just told me like, you know, the Lord has forgiven your sins and you are white as snow. And that to me, it was just show God, the Lord showing me his grace and his love for me and allowing your heart to receive that information in that way. And that to me, I was so grateful because I was so afraid of talking about those things and I was so intimidated and I didn't even know how to approach it. So I am, I appreciated that I was able to be open before, you know, getting into the engagement or anything like that. Um, I, that's, those are the things that I really appreciate that the Lord helped me to walk through. And there is so much more that we're still like, you know, learning and there has been so much growth, but yet we have so much growth uh, to to <laughs> to go through and I am just so grateful that the Lord will choose to save me that he will bless me with the gift of marriage with to choose you as my husband I know that we have been very open also about when you share your testimony about the illness that you went through and how much the Lord taught us and prepared us for before we even got married you know and how the Lord has brought us this far where we are now I am grateful because my family has been able to be around you to see what a godly husband looks like, a husband who honors the Lord. And I, I, I think it's been such a, a great example that the Lord will choose us also to be that example to our friends, to show them what a godly marriage looks like. Not that we do it perfectly because we don't. We are both sinners. We I married a sinner, and he married a sinner too. So, well, we are both sinners. Not me. Not me. <laughs> and it's like we're both work in progress. Like we know that the sanctification will continue, and the the goal of sanctification is to make us more like Christ. And we know that someday we will be sinless. Like we will have no sin, and we will be in perfect. Uh, we, we will be perfectly worshiping our Savior. And I look forward to that, to that. So that's something that I so, so much look forward to just to heaven and to being, not dealing with my sins because I see my sins every day. And um, I know that there is so much to learn. I just want to, uh, and like, and just this part of, uh, that I was sharing, um, again, just uh, the verses that I, that this is my goal, you know, this is my goal to, to live a life that, 
reflects this, that I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And this is Galatians 2.20. In my life, my goal is also to live a life that reflects what Paul says also in Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is my hope that I can live a life that glorifies Christ even more. So, three signature questions. We ask every guest, so you'll have to answer them as well, uh, if I can remember them. So first, <laughs> what are? it's been a while since you were saved, but what are yeah. some of the books that you are in currently or yeah. in the recent past that have been truly edifying for you, have, mm-hmm. have helped you c- come to know the Lord in a, in a greater way? What are, what are some of those, those books, those resources that you mm-hmm. could recommend to someone right now? Yeah. Um, so in the time that I was like struggling a little bit with like the singleness and all that stuff, uh, there's this very small book by uh, Nancy DeMoss Walgamoth, uh, which I actually bought for my two friends also. So we will talk about that book. It was like single out for him. I will confirm. I think right you now. had that when I first started showing up to your tea times. <gasps> yes. You guys had that on the table and it was like... I don't. I didn't know what the book was about. All I saw was like singleness. Oh yeah, we like, were talking about. Singleness. I'm like, oh man, it's like I got some like feminists yes. over here or something. Like, they're, they're just all about being single. And I was like, oh. Well, so yeah, you can actually it. get it on Amazon. That's not what it's about. No, it's a it's a great. Um, so it's a single out for him. I was looking it up just to make sure that I was saying the uh, the correct name. Embracing the gift, the blessings, and the challenges of singleness. What other books? Let's keep it to two. Two more. Two, two more. Two more. Two more. Okay, well, because, okay, so I'm going to talk about the recent books. Like, I talked about um, Truth to Hold On To, which is just the testimony of Mm -hmm. Kim, but it's not only her, I mean, it's not only just like, oh, her testimony of salvation, but it's also the trials that she went through and how she remained faithful to the Lord, even under those circumstances when you're in the middle of the storm and when you feel like you just want to give up. And she even had the, the suicidal thoughts. I just love how the Lord kept bringing those truths like i mean the truth of the gospel the truth from god's word verses that she couldn't even she didn't even memorize and yet she just said those verses they just came like flooding in my like it just came rushing through my head like and i I praise the lord that he did because she was thinking it was so difficult and so dark where she had fallen that she just and she had two little boys you know and so that was really encouraging so yes definitely uh truth to hold on to but I feel like ours is uh, like so mixed. Oh yes, I've been reading through the go- uh, a gospel primer, mm-hmm. a gospel primer. So that's a book that I've been kind of just like I just grab it like once in a while, and and they're like very small like paragraphs in the book. So it's is just it like a daily devotional, not a daily devotional, but they're just like go through the gospel, and they have like a bunch of scriptures like under it. But the the paragraphs where they explain it, it's like very small. But it's just such a great reminder. Like we need to be reminded of the gospel daily because if we don't, then we be automatically just begin to take our focus off of Christ and more in our circumstances or our feelings and things like that. So it's been really helpful just to be digging into that book. So yeah, a gospel primer. For okay. Sure. Now, second question. Mm-hmm. What are three things that bring you joy? Three things that brings me joy. Hmm. Man. <laughs> And don't not not hey. like like surface I level. I don't want to hear like food or like you know oh also, sunny day or something. Also, you don't wow because I, I let my guests like do things that are like 
not super like spiritual. No, I want <laughs> the heart. Like, but what? Really? <laughs> Are no, you serious? No, no. I think fellowship with the believers, like when I have people over and I can cook for them, that brings me joy. And that I can get to sit down on our ta- dinner table here and just get to hear how the Lord is working in their life and learn so much more about them. That brings me joy. And we do cook like anytime that we have a guest, we have food for them. So that's so wonderful that we can do that through uh, the podcast now. Definitely fellowship. When I understand something from God's word, like when I read through a book and probably I I just hear something at church that it's being taught and I'm like, oh my word, that's what it means. It brings me so much joy. Like when I we've had conversations like with other friends and we're just like talking about things from the Bible and it's like, whoa, yeah, this and that. And it's like, just like being reminded of God's wonderful work and things like that. So that brings me so much joy. Like I just get hyper up, like when, when we're talking about God's work. So that definitely just gets me like, yeah, I feel a lot of joy just understanding God's word. And a third one, I will say, when you and I read the Bible together, I love that. Like, because, but I love more when you read than I do. <laughs> like, it brings me joy when you read it and when you like ask questions. Like, when you ask me questions, because it makes me like it challenge my it challenges my mind. Like, oh, I need to think. Uh, you know, like things like that. So yes, uh, the times that we get to read the Bible together and or pray together. Um, because you know, that's, those, those are some of the things that I prayed about that I will be, it will be someone that I could read the word of God with, that I could, uh, study God's word with, or that I could pray with. So that brings me so much joy. That definitely fills my heart with so much joy doing that. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for sharing. <laughs> and then finally, the third question is why do we need the gospel? Why do we need Jesus Christ? So 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. First and foremost, we need Christ because apart from him, we can do nothing. We can't be fulfilled. We can't find true joy. It doesn't matter what I do in this world or the riches of this world could bring you or bring me. If you don't have Christ, your life is completely going to be empty for the rest of your life. You will never be satisfied. There will be no joy in your life. And when trial comes, it's going to feel like the best option sometimes or the best refuge that you can find is death because that's what I thought. I thought that death will be my comfort. Jesus is our high priest, and he can sympathize with all of our sufferings, with all of our pain, with everything that we might experience. He went through it all. He was tempted, but yet he did not sin. So he is the fulfillment of the law, the law that we couldn't keep. Because have you lied at one point in your life? I'm sure that you have, even as, as a child. You don't need to teach a child that they, they, they need to lie. No, the child lies automatically. So even for a lie, the penalty of it is death. And so God, because he is so gracious, he's so merciful, he's so loving. We were his enemies. We were God's enemy. And therefore he knew that he needed to send someone who will be perfect, who will meet the standard that he has set for you and I, the standard that you and I can never, ever, ever, ever uh, accomplish. 
because we are sinners. Sin is already in there. It happened in Genesis. When Adam and Eve, the only one thing that they were not supposed to do, they, God only gave them one thing not to do. And that one thing, they couldn't keep it. They disobeyed God. Did God really say? That's what the serpent came and asked Eve. Really? And so automatically, sin just, after the, the Adam and Eve sinned, then sin spread to all humanity, to all of us. And that means, and even if you go to Psalm 14, if you think that you're good, go to Psalm 14. Because Psalm 14 says that there is no one good, not even one. So if you feel that your goodness or your good works are going to take you to heaven and are going to open a way for you to get into heaven, remember, Jesus said, and I said it before, and I've said it many times in the podcast, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are not many ways to heaven. There is only one way. And that is Jesus Christ. I don't care what other religions say and what they offer or anything, but Jesus himself said it. I am the way. Has anyone died for you? I don't think so. Not even your parents will probably dare to die for you. But Christ died for you on the cross. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. It was complete. And the resurrection of Christ then, it just shows that God was fully satisfied with that perfect sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God, and He died for our sins. And yes, we do good works, but the only reason why we do good works is because a faith without good works is a dead faith. It's dead. So we were created, we are like uh, um, Ephesians 2 says that we are God's workmanship. So we were created for good works, not for salvation. But it's because of our faith. It's, it's the way that we show our faith in Christ. So we need Christ. Not only to save you from hell, not only to save you from the wrath of God, that one day God is going to come as a judge. Jesus Christ is going to come back as a judge and he's going to rule over the earth. It's not because of fear of like going to hell, but it's because you need to understand that God is holy. He is perfect and there is no sin in God. And therefore, you and I, honestly, we have no part with him. There is no fellowship. We are adopted to his family when we have repented and we have believed in the one that he sent to die for you and I, and that is Jesus Christ. So we, we come to Christ, we, we, we need Christ because he is the only way who, who brings, who restored our relationship with the Lord. He is the one who brings that peace between us and God. So yes, we need Christ for everything, for everything on our daily basis. We need Christ to be able even to worship God, to be able to fellowship with other believers. We need Christ for absolutely everything in our lives. When we go through trials, we know that Christ is there. We're not facing those trials alone. So we do need Christ because he is the perfect savior. He is the fulfillment of the law. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Well, thank you for joining me. <laughs> I'm, I'm the host. I'm That's the host true. So friends, thank you so much for listening or for watching. I hope that if this has been encouraging or if this has been something that you feel that it will encourage another person, I would love for you to share. Um, I, I, I would love for you to continue also to be praying for our ministry too, to be praying for everything that we're doing that the Lord will continue to be glorified, that he will bless everything that we do in here. 
Uh, it's definitely a privilege and such an honor that the Lord will allow us to be able to do this every Tuesday, uh, releasing a new episode. And stay tuned because there is so much more coming. So for the season, as I mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots to come. Stay tuned. It's going to be a wonderful season. It will. Every season's a wonderful season. Yeah. So thank you if you stayed. <laughs> thank you if you stayed. I have no idea how long I can talk a lot, I guess, but it's okay. <laughs> this is, you can divide it into yeah. parts, I guess. Yeah. Hey, we were, ta- we were talking with a brother yesterday. Yes. They've got their own podcast and... With those long episodes, you could just break them up. Yeah. It's like having shorter episodes. Yeah, that is true. And well, yeah, so we are very grateful for all of you. I know that there are many of you who have been praying, and I'm so glad for that and just love your support. And I, I, I love hearing from you guys. So I just hope that this continues to be a blessing to you all and that the Lord will continue to be exalted and magnified and glorified in everything that we do. So baby, will you Close us in prayer. Yeah. Uh, Dear Lord, uh, we just thank you for this time uh, that we can share our testimony. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you use this testimony to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, uh, that if someone who does not know you hears it, Lord, that you plant a seed in their heart and ultimately that you would bring them to a saving faith as a result, Lord. We love you. We just pray that you glorify you in all things. And may we never forget that you are all-powerful Uh, that you have a plan that is greater than ours and that we can go to you uh, in any time, especially in our time of need. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.